Lady of Lords Hospital Network in Lafayette welcomed a new CEO earlier this year. Kathy Healy Collier is the first woman to lead the system. I'm your host, Tracy Wirtz, and in today's podcast, we sit down with her to talk about arriving in Acadiana amid a pandemic and an ice storm. Now on 10 Talks Acadiana. 10 Talks Acadiana. The podcast powered by KLFY.com. So, Kathy, first of all, when did you get here? I came in on the ice storm, literally the day before it hit. Wow. And so, uh, welcome. (laughs) So, you just took over. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where do you hail from? Um, Well, I am actually a Navy brat, so I've lived all over. Um, Most of my uh, adult life, I've been in the South. So, uh, primarily Memphis, Birmingham, spent some time up in Illinois, but Southern mm-hmm. Illinois, Central Southern Illinois, and then we're excited to be here. Very good. Now, yeah. was, where did you come from professionally? Um, professionally, most, most recently in Springfield, Illinois. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, always in hospital administration? Always in hospital administration, yeah. Well, First of all, let's talk about being a hospital administrator in this environment. Absolutely. Um, You know, we have done several stories and Mm -hmm. talked to several doctors and what they're calling the frontline workers. But from an administration standpoint, what do you think have been the biggest challenges either here or where you previously worked? Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, some of the biggest challenges, I believe, are, have been throughout this entire pandemic, um, education, clarity um, in terms of um, what's actually happening. You know, if you're not seeing people get sick, people sometimes don't really believe it's out there, trying to get the public to trust us and um, understand that we're here to, to support our community and do the best thing by our patients and our citizens, quite frankly. I think that's probably been one of the biggest challenges, the logistics of you know, getting everything that we need to take care of our patients, understanding what the science is, understanding what the best uh, methods for, uh, well, prevention as well as, you know, once somebody does have the virus. Um, I think what's been really tricky um, has been that there have been so many folks that are positive but don't show any symptoms. And so there's this, uh, you know, illusion of security that we had pre-vaccine. And then, you know, we were able to, uh, you know, get the vaccine out and rolled out. We've got three different vendors. They've all been very well vetted in terms of their safety um, and effectiveness. Um, But having the community trust us with these vaccines and feeling comfortable taking the vaccine, given the speed in which we were able to to bring it forward. Um, But it's a very, very, all three vaccines are very, very safe. Mm -hmm. Um, But trying to convince and, and, you know, have people trust that that this is in their best interest and in the best interest of the community has been a huge challenge. And we actually, I do want to talk more about the vaccine, but I'm very intrigued about the administration part because I think that people... Um, know that you guys exist, but they don't understand the vital role that you guys play um, in making the hospital systems 
work, make sure they're efficient, make sure that they have what they need. Because you mentioned something, you know, about, you know, personal protective equipment, that kind of thing. And we heard a lot about there being a shortage of that. Sure, absolutely. Um, but as administration, as the people that run the place, so to speak, you guys, you have to get that. Absolutely. So what was that like? early pandemic sure well i think um probably the the challenges was you know clearly that we had the shortage and so trying to work with our vendors you know we have many national um uh, groups that we work with that can help that we can leverage um, being a part of a larger system is very helpful um, so being an administrator that's a part of a larger system whether it's tenant or um, you know the the prior organization I was with in Illinois or even um, Alabama here locally obviously we're part of a part of a much larger system right um, we're able to pull some strings to try to get things where they need to be because we've got some leverage and we can share um, as well I think where you've where there were, was quite a bit of struggles around more um, freestanding um, independent hospitals maybe that didn't have that same level of leverage right. to be able to work with vendors and really kind of uh, move you know uh, materials and that's that sort of thing around yeah. in order to 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 meet the needs and so I think that's been probably one of the bigger challenges in terms of you know making sure everybody has what they need when they need them and um, there Obviously, we're in a better place now, right, um, but that was very challenging. And we always have quite a bit of, uh, you know, inventory mm -hmm. in terms of PPE and, um, well, quite frankly, all of the, the tools that we would need, even when you look at the swabs to even be able to test. We ran out of those, you know, so I think... Um, you know, uh, having that inventory, it's been a huge learning for us to make sure that we can activate and bring things forward more rapidly, because even with that large inventory, there still was not enough in some cases and some, on some days. Right. So, I, and I can imagine yeah. the the headache that yeah, that must sure, have created. Sure. The other thing that I saw, and I, I, my, I know my heart went out to all of the hospital systems because you know at the at the beginning you had the the scenario of it was very unknown it was very new um we really elevated medical professionals especially those on the front line and then you saw that low when like you said the public kind of flipped and managing that messaging could not have been easy, sure. especially then, because there was that lull between, what was it, March and April, and then it kind of went down, and then it came back up in July. But in that no man's land, sure. so to speak, you guys were still very much under the gun, but having to then, to, to us, manage the, the message sure. and continue that talk about right, that. Right, and I do think there was an overabundance of confidence. We were coming out of it, and then we hit the, the next mm -hmm. wave. So I think, um, you know, it really has provided us some clarity in terms of always being prepared. Mm -hmm. um, we can't get too comfortable. Even right now, I, we're kind of going back into that right now. Of course, people are getting vaccinated. We're seeing some really positive shifts there. Um, we do have a new variant coming in. I do believe we've got um, pretty well, we're well protected based on uh, the, the vaccines that are out there, but we can't get too comfortable. We always need to stay uh, you know, ready and um, able to take care of whoever could walk through our doors. You know, We are a, a Franciscan organization. Mm -hmm. We're faith-based. We're a charitable institution. Um, and you think about, you know, 
having access uh, for the entire community and that sort of thing. And this uh, pandemic has really given us a little bit of a shake to make sure that we are able to, to meet the needs um, for the entire community and that sort of thing. Um, and so I think when I uh, reflect on the different, you know, I think that's what the big learning is, is that you can't get too comfortable. Um, and, you know, even when we come out of this entirely, there will be another virus out there mm -hmm. at some future date. Hopefully it won't be nearly this uh, dramatic and severe, but, you know, we always need to keep our guard up. Um, I was reading an article yesterday in, in a local publication that talked about um, the fact that right now, today, uh, we are doing this, what is the date today, April the 6th? Six. Is it the 6th? Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That we have the lowest number of COVID patients in the hospital in Acadiana. How does that, how does that make you guys feel? Relief. Um, I think f folks are feeling, um, you know, it's been really, really hard. I think um, coming into the market, I, you know, again, I came with the ice storm and, and we, you know, got hit with an ice storm in the middle of all of this, you know, um, which was quite uh, surprising for me. Yeah. Um, my husband's from this area. I don't know if we mentioned that no. earlier. So I've, I've come back and forth to, so we're excited to be close to family and, and that sort of thing. But I do think that, um, you know, as we've looked at some of the, um, the shifts and the demands on our healthcare workers, um, we're sensing that. We have such a great team here. Mm -hmm. um, we've had a stable workforce. We have some of the lowest turnover rates really in the country, mm -hmm. even related to nursing and um, surgery techs, rad techs, all the clinical staff that help to get, take care of patients. Right. Um, and we're seeing it. It's still really, really good, but we're seeing it tick up a little. I think folks are, um, you know, burnt out, they're tired. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a little post-traumatic stress. So we're trying to create as much as we can around, um, you know, sending appreciation and thanks and, right. you know, uh, just a uh, wonderful job that all the uh, doctors, um, you know, um, we even when you look at critical care um, and then, uh, you know, just managing through how to treat these patients and figuring things out and, you know, watching uh, the inevitable that, you know, some mm -hmm. of these patients didn't make it. This is a very real virus. Right. Um, and so, you know, there's that sort of coming out of this and starting to feel some sense of normalcy again and staying engaged. You know, right. I really don't want to lose any of these excellent clinicians. And you, you kind of run a little risk of that if they if they get too burnt out. So and that must be something else from the administration standpoint that you have to manage it and I don't know how you do that effectively because you guys have a lot of employees. You have a lot of people that you, uh, you know, you have to tend to. And I mean, there's a lot on your shoulders when it comes to your team. Um, what have you guys done to help manage that PTSD, that really um, intense work time when those surges happen, how how do how have you helped to manage that or your well, staff manage sure, that? Sure, sure. Well, I think leadership's important. Um, I think uh, being as much visible as possible, you know, with safety precautions, obviously, mm -hmm. in terms of COVID. Um, I think making sure that we're putting messages out. You know, I've been here about two months, so I send out a weekly message um, to everyone, uh, you know, kind of focusing on uh, thank you and, and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of communication going out. We have an employee um, support area, um, EAP, that, uh, you know, associates can certainly um, lean on and we've made that accessible. We've also sent lots of thank you gifts, thank you, mm -hmm. um, 
uh, you know, uh, food, you know, I mean, you know, whatever <laughs> we can do. Good, I mean, yeah. I know that sounds really simple, no, you know, but, yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, that's a part of it too. So I think there's been a lot of effort to try to keep folks engaged. The other piece that's been kind of complicated about this, you've got the clinical staff, they're on the front line. We want to be there to back them up and give them the resources. Mm -hmm. And honestly, as you know, really staffing appropriately is probably the best thing we can do for our clinicians because, you know, as some start to rotate off, we've got to bring more in to make right. sure we've got the appropriate staffing to keep folks engaged. But remote work has been a challenge as well. Oh, we've yeah. moved much more to a telemedicine environment where, you know, we still have patients out there that don't have COVID that need treatment and they've, uh, you know, maybe uh, delayed care or delayed uh, office visits and that sort of thing. So moving that technological arm uh, to be able to do more online virtual um, uh, visits. really patient visits, yeah. right, mm -hmm. um, you know, in order to just keep, you know, folks where they need to, to be, you know. Let's talk about the vaccine. You have been vaccinated, have. right? Which mm -hmm. one and how was that experience for you? Right. Um, I had uh, the Pfizer vaccine. Mm -hmm. um, the first uh, shot was, and I have never had COVID, as far as I know. Um, I've had multiple negative tests, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, as far as I know, I've never had COVID. Um, the first vaccine, uh, my arm was a little sore. I was fine. Um, the second one, I was fine the day of, um, but I slept the next day probably 14 hours when I finally, I went to bed at like six mm. and then slept and then felt really refreshed. Yeah. Of course, I think part of that may have been I just needed my sleep, yeah. but um, you know, at the same time, I was very, very tired, you know, and once I came out of that, I was fine. So there are some, some side effects, you know, um, nothing, you know, that wasn't tolerable, but right. uh, certainly I I feel much more confident um, being out and about interacting with folks and that sort of thing now that I've got my vaccines. My parents are both 77 mm -hmm. um, and they've gotten their vaccines. So I'm really excited about that. And they were very confident going in and getting it. I was a little worried about what their thoughts were. And my mother and father-in-law both have had their vaccines as well. So there is a lot of comfort in that there's you know i know i mean i'm vaccinated but knowing my parents are safe that's yeah, yes that's huge absolutely now i was reading an article this week that said something about i might get the number wrong so forgive me but about 40 percent of the population have said absolutely not what how how has your staff responded? How, how can you share those numbers? How many staff members? Not, well, we've, you know, or percentages even. Yes, our percentages. I haven't heard the latest, but they're similar in mm -hmm. terms of the lack of confidence. But I do think it's shifting. I'm seeing a trend where the more folks that are getting vaccinated and they're okay, they're starting to feel more confident, and we're starting to feel, you know, a little bit more like we can interact more. And so I think um, even though those challenges exist, um, I do see a trend line in the right direction. Um, and I think at some point, obviously the herd immunity thinking and that sort of thing will, will start to dominate and perhaps there will be some at the other end of that spectrum right. that'll never you know, need to get vaccinated. But, um, you know, we're very hopeful because, you know, we are seeing a shift in terms of the thinking. Um, but there are some that are going to stay firm. Um, mm -hmm. And even some clinicians who you think would, you know, be more likely to, right. to be vaccinated and they still have their concerns. So, um, you know, it's very real concern. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you want to respect that. But at the same time, you know, working in healthcare, you would assume some of those percentages would be a little better. Mm -hmm. But they're really kind of following 
the the national um, average, to be honest with you, the even our clinicians. Yeah. yeah. Um, you guys are still making the vaccine available to the public. We are. And how can they access that? Um, you can go online uh, and you can schedule your uh, vaccine. Um, we've also put flyers out in all the parishes in the um, in the uh, diocese, the Catholic mm -hmm. diocese. You know, mm -hmm. we are a faith-based organization. Um, we have opened up Surgy Care. Um, people can go online. And that's mm -hmm. right across the street to. Uh, to dedicate some space to giving vaccines. Um, we've also used our St. Bernadette Clinic mm -hmm. as well um, to, to serve some of the um, uh, more um, difficult to track and that sort of thing, patient population and right. near there. And uh, we're actively talking with the mayor about um, alternate sites and that sort of thing to really be able to reach um, you know, populations that are a little bit more difficult to reach. Um, as well in terms of setting up sites where that, that would create a greater sense of accessibility, if you will. Mm -hmm. so, um, so we're fine-tuning some of those uh, options for that. So you, you've been here two months mm -hmm. and, you know, came in the, you know, in the middle of a pandemic yep. and an ice storm and, you know, kind of baptized by fire. Yes. <laughs> um, what are some, if you look ahead, because I know that yeah, you have sure. a plan, what what are your plans for Our Lady of Lords Lafayette going forward? Absolutely. So obviously, um, you know, this particular campus is quite lovely. You know, we've also got the um, more recent acquisitions of women's and children's as well as the Heart Hospital. So the footprint has expanded quite a bit. We've got a very strong primary care focus. So getting out um, into that uh, primary care space so that we can pull in um, uh, you know, more and more patients in the region, all of Acadiana. Right. Um, I've really been working on uh, building women's and children's. We've got a, a real strong vision for what that could look like moving forward. Uh, you know, when you think about, um, you know, kids in this community and that sort of thing, we certainly uh, want to be able to make a difference in the lives of our, our kids. And so you'll be hearing more about those plans mm -hmm. uh, moving forward. Um, and then in terms of the cardiac space, we're uh, looking at really building those programs and we'll be uh, you know, looking at some infrastructure improvements, some technology investments, um, physical plant. And believe it or not, this physical plant um, is uh, you know quite full. I mean, yeah. we have not, and it's not just a COVID issue. Right before COVID, um, you know, we've had some um, you know capacity concerns. So we're looking at what makes the most sense. We mm -hmm. want to be strategic, you know, um, and we definitely want to be able to get out into the community as well, mm -hmm. so that everything that doesn't necessarily all have to come to the hospital. So uh, lots of uh, ideas and that sort of thing. And I'm sort of you know, it's been two months, but, mm -hmm. you know, framing what that vision could look like. You right. know, when you think about even uh, pediatrics, I don't know if there's a recognition of the depth of services that are provided here in Acadiana. You've mm -hmm. got full um, subspecialty care here. Um, mm -hmm. You don't really have to go unless it's like something like a heart transplant or something very severe um, to another city. And it's right here at Women's and Children's. Mm -hmm. So that depth is unmatched with Lourdes. Um, and it's not just a pediatric floor, it's, you know, it's actually got the full breadth of services. So to build on that and to really identify uh, that unique um, situation that we have here in Acadiana that's quite special given the size and we're growing and this is a, you know, um, a fantastic community and, um, and we just, you know, really want to be a part of 
making sure that you know everyone's healthy, not just children, obviously. Right. But um, that's an example of a service line that I don't know that's really gotten the attention that um, it probably deserves. So only a couple more questions. Mm -hmm. Number one is when you go into something new, you always have, you know, preconceptions. This is going to be the case. What were your biggest surprises when you came in, either to Lords or to Lafayette? Um, you know, one of the one of the things I think this is fabulous. But uh, one of the surprises is that your medical staff here, um, a lot of them are from here. And so uh, they leave and they go somewhere and then they all come back. And yeah. so what's really nice when you start thinking about building programs and um, wanting to have the depth of talent and people that want to stay in this community, mm -hmm. your medical staff and I mean, your nurses, your, they're from here, you know, and the ULL connection, obviously LSU, um, you know, it brings folks here in this community. They want to live here. They want to work here. They enjoy taking care of others in the community. And that's, that's really special. So, um, you know, that surprised me because a lot of times when you're recruiting subspecialists and that sort of thing, it's hard to mm -hmm. recruit in a, um, a little bit less metropolitan area. Um, and we still have some of those challenges, obviously, right. but um, that, that's been a, a, a nice uh, surprise for sure. What is your message to the public as the CEO, market president of Lords? What is your message to the public as we continue through this pandemic? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, my message would be, you know, we're all in this together. Uh, we're here for you. If you need anything, uh, Lords wants to be here to protect, um, serve, um, and treat uh, anyone in the community. Um, and I would say, you know, I know it's tough, but, you know, building trust is important and to trust us with your care. And, um, you know, we're going to come out of this. And we're going to come out of this stronger on the other side. It's just we got to get through, um, get through it. But that's what I think I would say. And just one more thing is that, and you can speak to this if you don't mind about as an administrator, because the CDC, the the, the doctors at Walensky or something, I think it's her last name, talked about the fact that the vaccine's out, more people are getting vaccinated, but they are encouraging folks not to let their guard down. Yes. Can you talk to that at all? Yes, and it's hard, you know, like I've been vaccinated and there's this tendency to human nature to, to kind of let your guard down. And um, But we have to, you know, continue to do the social distancing, uh, continue to wear our masks. I know it's tough. It's, you know, um, and even though we're starting to like I was in church, you know, on Easter and I kind of thought, well, you know, I mean, I can see we're letting our guard down. And I think as um, as much as we want to get back to normal, you know, they've been able to show that you can still get infected even though you had the, the vaccine. And, and you're really not just protecting yourself, you're protecting the community. And not everyone's been vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And nobody knows who's been, we don't have, you know, something that shows that we've been vaccinated right. necessarily, you know, that, that's visible. Right. And so, um, you know, it's important that we protect each other. And, and part of it is a symbol of our togetherness about that. Thank you so yeah, much yeah, for that. Yeah, well, I hope you that was okay. Job. Oh, no, it was fantastic. 10 Talks at Kadiana. Subscribe wherever podcasts are downloaded. A Star Media production.